Hi, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and we are looking at the Unseen War Part 3. I'm very excited about this, because we are looking basically at the war that many would consider as good versus evil. And you will remember or recall at some point in time seeing that animated movie where the image of this, you know, the devil is on one side dressed in red with the fork and the angel of God on the other side dressed in white. And one would have to decide whose voice am I going to listen to? Who is going to have the influence on the decision that I make? Isn't that the dilemma that we find ourselves sometimes in the world today? Look, here's the thing. The information that we share here is to continue the dialogue for our edification. And in part three, we're going to look at the story of a man by the name of Elijah. We're going to look at God and how he's able to stand with his people even against many odds and still deliver them for his honor and his glory the unseen war part three stay tuned my friends morning to the household of faith and to those who would in time be reviewed to this recording of our bible class session this morning um, I was just reminded by a brother about a law that was passed in part of the North American continent with regards to banning of religion, religious beliefs and religious practices. And that reminds me of the fact that we are absolutely in a spiritual war. I don't know if you're all paying attention to what is happening on the world stage, but we need to understand that we are part of a global village. And in some way, one way or the other, what happens in the leading countries will at some point in time eventually affect us. So let's not pretend that we are separate and apart from that. And let's not be naive to think that such a thing could never happen in Trinidad and Tobago. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share with us some of what God has blessed our hearts and minds to understand about spiritual warfare. I want to remind us that there are three things that we would have been called, or three names rather, that we would have been called, or three titles that would have been given to us when we became members of the Church of Christ. The first one is that we became soldiers. Soldiers in the army of Christ. The second one is we became joint heirs with Jesus Christ to the throne or the kingdom of God and the third thing is we are of a royal priesthood two things happened the day that we became Christians we were given a robe of righteousness 
and we were blessed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we were not given those so that we could just adorn ourselves or be proud to say that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gave us those instruments, those gifts for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. In the scripture reading, we saw a, broke, a breakdown sorry, of what we consider to be the armory of Christians. The armory of Christians. And so when we consider the fact that we are not in a physical battle but rather a spiritual battle, then we must recognize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, as the scripture says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And if you would recall, I said that the strongholds are the thoughts that build up in our minds over a specific period of time, which turn into ideas and then which turn into intent. A thought is just a thought until you make it something else. A thought is just a thought until you give it life. And if you will recall, I spoke about the campsite theory. And thinking about if you were the owner of a campsite and you had specific laws and policies that you would give to those who would come into your campsite, would you enforce them if those laws are broken? And the obvious answer is yes. Why? Because it is your campsite and it is your duty and your responsibility to protect it so that the reputation that goes out of your campsite is that this individual is one that stands behind his policy or her policy and ensures that everything that is done is done according to that which we agreed upon. We made a covenant with God when we became Christians. And it is our responsibility to guide our thoughts and protect our thoughts and create a contract of things that I would consider to be like a manifesto of what we would allow to enter into our minds so that we don't go around blaming somebody or blaming Satan and say, well, the devil made me do it. Or Satan placed that thought there, I don't know where it came from, and that could be very well true, but at the end of the day, it is up to you to decide whether you entertain it or not. And then I spoke about how we can apply certain techniques. And we spoke about Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's one, the word. Secondly, I told you about the prayer for each other. And thirdly, we spoke about being able to replace negative thoughts with good thoughts, positive thoughts, endearing thoughts, thoughts that God would certainly approve of. But there are two other things that I want us to look at. And first of all, one of the things that might be necessary for us to consider is that when we are involved in a situation where we realize that we may be overcome or overwhelmed and the temptation to sin or fall short of the glory of God might be too much for us to bear, 
We need to find a way to change our environment. Someone who is recovering from alcoholism should not find themselves in a bar. I say that to highlight the original statement. It may require us sometimes to change the environment that we are accustomed being in because what happens in that environment as far as our Christian life is concerned could be a threat to us being able to uphold the will of God, the laws of God and take full control of the strongholds that may come to disturb us. I also mentioned the fact that Satan is not your friend and certainly your enemy and even if he has to do what he has to do through your loved ones, those who may be close to you, he will seek that area of influence because he does not care. It makes no difference to him. 24-7, 365, his will is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let us go to 1 Kings chapter 18 and I want to read one verse in 1st Kings and there are times when I will not go through the detail of a particular passage because I, I actually want to challenge us to go and see the details of the scriptures for ourselves In the book of 1st Kings chapter 18 we are dealing with an individual a man of God by the name of Elijah and every time I go through this particular passage I get really excited when Pollard. I get excited because the man of God is standing alone and despite the fact that he's standing alone when God shows up in all his glory, it's as if he has the whole army of heaven with him. See, we have that privilege too. But sometimes we are not aware of it because we look at the size of our struggles. We look at the height and the depth and the width of our challenges. We look at the storms that are gathering around us, the fiery darts that are coming in our direction, some that we can see and some that we cannot see. And we think to ourselves, little old me, I am not able. But what we have to understand is that while we in ourselves may not be a match for the enemy, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we are. First Kings chapter 18. I want to read from verse 38. Remember, this is a Bible class, so you can ask questions or share your comments or concerns. It reads Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. 
And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I want us to pay close attention to verse 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. It's just about 400, I believe. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. We have to recall that in the follow-up of this, there was a challenge that Elijah had put out to the false prophets of Baal who were sanctioned by Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, the king. And so we had a serious spiritual battle taking place in the open. And Elijah, knowing that God was behind him, did accept the challenge. And the display that God did at the time that God did it created so much faith in the nation of Israel and the people that followed Elijah that they declared, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But there are two reasons why I want us to pay particular attention to verse 40. I want to read it again. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, particularly those men who stood in resistance and who represented the works of the enemy. Let not one of them escape because he wanted to negate the level of influence that they were having over the people of Israel. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Go with me now. The first Kings 19. Remember, I said sometimes you need to change the environment in order to get away from the challenges that maybe we may face from time to time. First Kings 19, read it from verse 1. And Ahab, this is the King James Version, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And withheld how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah. Things going to get quite dicey now, brother. Gumel. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods come on Jean, do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. 
Did not the same gentleman just slay many prophets of Baal? Church? Yes, he did. So why is it now when he is faced with a challenge from one individual, Jezebel, the queen, he is distraught and worried. And he is now fleeing for his life. He spends an entire day heading into the wilderness just to make sure that he can get as far away as possible from the danger that he perceives shall overcome him. But was not the same God acting on his behalf before when he confronted the prophets of Baal? Yes. Isn't it the same God that is with Elijah even as the threat from Jezebel came? Yes. So why did he then decide to run off? And then he's saying unto God to add insult to injury, take my life. Well, let's look at it from a very practical and realistic point of view. Spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, Elijah was very streamed. Church, we need to understand. Could you imagine having to slay 400 men? But Agassi, think about it. The challenge, the mindset that you have to have, considering the whole situation and the commitment that you had to make, and now after he had done that, he doesn't have time to rest or recover and suddenly this other threat is coming to him and he knows this threat is real because she is the one that is running things. Ahab is just a figure. But Jezebel is the one that is in control. So he gets away from the situation, he runs away from the circumstance and now he feels that he's so alone, so tired, so frustrated, so depressed. And he has to deal with this other thing. He's saying to God, you know what? Take my life. But what God did, and you can read it after, is that God said to him, I have yet things for you to do. So hear what I want you to do. I'm going to provide for you nourishment. I'm going to provide for you nourishment. And after you have nourished yourself, sleep, get your strength, get up, be nourished again. And then after that, you're going to spend 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying in preparation for what I have for you to do in the future, including the anointing of kings. Now watch this. There are times in our lives when we would go through a particular situation and we would feel drained, we would feel tired, we will feel frustrated, we will feel stressed out. And you have to realize something, if you continue in the same environment, doing the same thing continuously, Brother Pam, the result will be the same. So you need to change the environment. And God understood what Elijah was going through, but what did he do? He allowed him to go far away from the situation so that the circumstances would change. And then God said to him, I'm going to give you nourishment because I'm not done with you yet. 
And it may be that we are feeling so down and out, so depressed, so discouraged. We are saying to ourselves, Lord, what next? You remember Job? <laughs> Job did not even have time to relax. First of all, the buildings were destroyed. Yeah, all his livestock were destroyed. Storms came, lightning from heaven came, and then his children were all destroyed. And eventually he realized, wait a minute, what is happening? But it's not that he had time to relax and to reflect because it came one after the other, continuously. Remember, sometimes the battle can get so hot that we may not have time to relax. I want to share something with you to understand how important this is. If you were studying history, you would realize that one of the greatest leaders of the modern world was a gentleman by the name of Sir Winston Churchill. And Sir Winston Churchill was twice the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And during the height of World War II, when the Germans were bombing the living daylights out of London, Sir Winston Churchill left the war room and went to his cottage in the country, went to his garden and started seeing about his roses. He loved his plants, he loved to take care of his roses. And the generals and all his colleagues and those who were involved in the UN were beginning to question the sanity of the man, thinking what kind of madness is this? The world is falling apart literally at the hands of the Germans, particularly what is happening in London. And you as the leader leave the situation, go in the country in your house and tending roses. And he said to them, I want you to listen to me very carefully. He said, the more that I stay in the war room and the more I'm bombarded by what is happening around me is the less I can see a way out. Get this now. He said, so what I'm doing is simply this. I'm removing myself from the situation and taking myself away in a different atmosphere where I can relax myself because now I need to come up with new suggestions, new ideas on how to deal with the enemy. But as long as I stay in the war room where all that is happening around me is all I can see, I can never see the other side. Or what the alternatives are. When they understood it, Brother Pam, they were like, yeah, we get it. Guess what? Because he removed himself from the situation and the circumstances that were bombarding him, he was able for a time to clear his head, clear his mind, and came up with new ideas. And by the time he came back to the war room, the situation was different because now he could see it in a new light, in a fresher perspective. This is what God wanted Elijah to see. 
Yes, I understand the weight of the threats that are against you. I understand what the Church of Christ at Laramane is going through. I understand what the Church of Christ at San Fernando and all over the globe is going through. But listen, because I am able to take care of you, it may be that you need to change the atmosphere of your circumstances for a while so that I can show you a new perspective. Brethren, I hope we understand how important that is in the spiritual warfare. Because sometimes we feel we have to fight up and fight up and fight up and fight up. And sometimes we're not getting anywhere. Dispensing a lot of energy but not achieving anything. And the key to it is that God give him nourishment. And after the nourishment, fast and pray. So sometimes when we get ourselves away from the situation, to look at it at a different perspective, from a fresher perspective, it may be required for us to do some fasting and praying as well. Those are part of our arsenal as members of the household. And then, in Genesis chapter 39, <laughs> this is a very familiar one. We know the story of Joseph, right? And we know that Joseph realized that day after day, Potiphar's wife was beginning to create a serious challenge for him. And so when the time came that she decided enough is enough, and she physically reached out for him, he stood up. He stood up. Nobody had challenged me. People he didn't stood up, you know, he ran. When Potiphar's wife decided to actually reach out and embrace him because she wanted him to do things he did not have a desire to do because his desire was to please the Lord, he ran. Sometimes, Brother Pollard, you have to run. Sometimes, Brother Palm, you have to run. Don't feel like you're the strong man. I in the church 25 years, I could deal with that. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you just have to, Brother Puran, run. Because, you know, there's a saying that we, we take for granted, right? He who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. It's real. Ah, woo. you all heard that, right? Makes sense. Yeah? Because if you continue to fight and you die, you can't fight again after that. Because you're dead. That's what Brother Garcia is saying. So sometimes you have to recognize that when the situation presents itself and it seems overwhelming, if you know you can't deal with it, brother, sister, run. Because remember, the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. Very important. Any questions or comments before we move on? I want to deal with some history. Yes. 
yet I have left these seven thousand in Israel. Mm -hmm. All the knees which have not bowed yeah. to me. Yes. And every mouth which has not kissed Yeah. So here was Elijah thinking that he was in this all by himself, that everybody had given up on him. And here he was all by himself. But that wasn't the truth. Yeah. You know, he was what he believed wasn't the truth. Yeah. And sometimes we have the examiner. Very, very important point. And I, I purposely left out that. And I think the minute you rose your hand, I realized you were going there. And I raised my finger. He felt that he was alone, singular. And we do feel like that sometimes, right? Yeah, we look at the situation and say to ourselves, boy, is only me going through this. Not true. Check the numbers. There are almost 8 billion people in the world. How could you be the only person going through what you are going through? It's not realistic. But that's just the numbers. There is nothing new under the sun. I didn't say that. The scripture says that. So we have to be concerned about not only what is happening to us, but to others as well. And so that is why we have the congregation, the church. We got to reach out to people, reach out to a brother, reach out to a sister, ask a question. You may never know that another brother or sister may have gone through or is going through what you're going through. And you can share in information to help and support each other. So, the whole idea, brethren, is our mindset. 
Remember I said in the first class, it is how we assess, how we respond and how we react to situations that determines the outcome. It is not wrong to be fearful, it is not wrong. We will feel depressed at some point in time, but how we manage what we feel is what matters. How we manage it, that is what makes the biggest difference. Time is moving so fast. I want to look at some history based on the same line that we are on right now. And when I look at the nation of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt, it blew me away when I recognized something. And I want to share it with us. And in the period of time in antiquity, two things happened. One, Satan influenced the children of Israel to fuss, to murmur, and to complain. And how he did that, let us go to Exodus 14 and reading from verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, pay attention to this, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Madness. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That is absolutely contrary to the will of God for his people. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Genesis chapter 15, verse 12. We've got to go through this a little quickly. Genesis 15, verse 12. As the sun was setting... Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, pay attention to this, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. That happened. 14. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Prophecy. Prophecy. This is the will of God for his people. So now, the punishment was the ten times that God had frustrated the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel, his chosen people, would not touch, not once. When they left the nation of Egypt, did they not leave with great possessions and wealth? Yes, they did. Brother Garcia. So how come they're not realizing that it was God's will to take them out and they should not be looking at the circumstances around them but the fact that he had gone through so much to get them thus far, could he not take them further? But that happens to us sometimes, right? Because we are so overwhelmed by the enormous aspects of the situation we forget first of all what God had done in the past 
And then we could not recognize that even in the midst of what we were going through, God is able to make a way where there seems to be none. The mindset. Elijah only saw that he was alone. And he only saw that he was at a total disadvantage. He did not see anything else. And that led him to a state of depression. His mindset, if it was different, would have seen things from God's perspective. That person on Sister Fran's job, because she was thinking she was all alone, felt the weight of that thinking until she recognized that others were going through a similar situation, then her mindset changed. That is what God is working on. Our mindset. Our mindset to do what? To be proactive. And to understand that even if it seems as though we are going to drown because the waters are constantly rising, that is the moment that God wants to do something tremendous in our lives. Because He loves to make an impact upon His children's hearts and minds. He wants us to remember that He's the God of the impossible. And no matter how heated the battle is, it is still His. And He will make a way for us to overcome and be victorious. But we've got to trust Him by faith, continually and consistently, no matter what the situation is. Sister Ina and I have experienced that lately. And we thought that all was going to fall and all the odds were against us. <laughs> God found the way. And yes, we have to remember that this too shall pass. And Moses, with Moses, they saw that the importance to have a strong leadership. Correct. The leaders were very Absolutely correct. Thank you, Brother Gilbert. Any more comments or questions? We have to close in the essence of time. Great, I enjoy this.